0: Okay, we are happy now to be joined by the great Sam Fortier, Washington football team beat reporter for the Washington Post. You can find him on Twitter at Sam, the number 4TR. Thank you, Sam, for joining us. We appreciate it, and welcome to Ref the District. Chris,
1: Trevor, thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Before we get into all this Washington football team talk, because we're going to talk quite a bit about that in the short time that we have you, you were the beat reporter in 2019 for the nationals. And that was a, that was a world series winning team that you followed the whole year. So I got kind of a a two-part question on that. One is what was it like to follow a world champion for an entire season? And then number two are you, like us, just blown away at what this team looks like <laughs> now compared to what it looked like just two years ago? You're talking about the Nats. Yeah, the Nats. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both,
1: both teams that, that I covered have, have gone through pretty crazy transformations. But to your point, I mean, surreal, I guess, is like the word that comes to mind when I think about like, what it was like covering that Nats team in 2019 because I was out in L.A. covering the Chargers for the Athletic. I got brought in. My first day was, was opening day, and I actually went up to Philly, and I rode, some, some, I, I rode a bus with some Phillies fans down in Nats Park because that was Bryce's first game back. And so like my introduction to the beat was like a brawl in right center on the concourse between Phillies fans and Nats fans. I was like, whoa, what's going on? Here?
0: <laughs> what did I get myself into?
1: Right. And I remember I was in Milwaukee when they got swept by the Brewers, it was right before, it was like the series before they got swept by the Mets, I think to go 19 and 31. And I remember being in that clubhouse cause it was it was Carter Keboom's first call up, made a couple errors. And it was, it was like deathly quiet in there after the sweep. And I remember Jake Knoll was up cause they were injured and Kurt Suzuki got hurt. And I was like, am I about to cover this team for, for five more months and have them be out of it the entire time? And so like, <laughs> like, the roller coaster ride that we went on afterward. I mean, my B partner, Jesse Doherty and I, like that was one of the most surreal, special experiences of my life because I mean, growing up, like I was a big baseball guy and, and, and I know that baseball seasons don't normally end that way. So for them, I mean, after that, it was, it was just kind of a ride. I remember, you know, being in Detroit when Fernando Rodney and Gerardo Parra come in with their glasses and the boom box for the first time, like, yeah. you know, Max went, you know, getting the black eye. I mean, that really was, uh, was a special experience. Um, and, and, and to your second question, what does it look like now? It's like, you know, I was, um, I was out at Nats Park just cause I had some friends in town and, and I hadn't been to a game in a while, uh, you know, before the deadline when everybody was still there. And it was just surreal to see not only, um, not only the changes that have happened, but also, you know, I, it was a Patrick Corbin start, and it was, man, that slider two years ago. I remember that thing being dominant. Look, yeah. What happened? So, so, yeah, it is, it is pretty astounding to kind of think of how much has
0: turned over in two years.
2: Hmm.
0: Trev, on you,
2: buddy. All right. Well, let's get to why we're here, Sam. Enough of that America's <laughs> greatest game. We're going to talk some football. So um, training camp, you know, preseason, first games already happened. Um, so now we're in the second game coming up tomorrow. Uh, My first question is kind of a two-part. How do you feel about, I guess, before the concussion, Samus Reyes' chances on being a part of the 53 and then uh, Jarrett Patterson, his real chances of being the 53?
1: Yeah, both great questions. I know both fan favorites. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I feel a little bit better about Samus Reyes, though I would say, like, both of them, I think, have really impressed coaches. And I want to start Mm -hmm. by saying that, like, the amount of money they gave Samus Reyes, the fact that they took him out of the international player pathway program, like that alone tells you that Marty Kearney, who was down there in Florida to see his workout at, at UF, mm-hmm. that tells you, you know, they really like this mm-hmm. kid. And, and obviously, mm-hmm. you know, he, he just played his first football game. He's got a long way to go. But when you look at some of the blocks that he made, the physicality that he has, that's not something you expect to see on a basketball player. So, <laughs> right. Right. so he's got a concussion right now. Um, you know, didn't practice. So to me, they could either, you know, if this injury is a, is a serious thing, maybe they IR him and he stays on IR for the year, or maybe you know he makes the 53 and then they put him on practice squad. I don't think that you'll see him get cut on August 31st because then that exposes him to everybody else. So right now, I imagine you know he has a pretty solid chance to to be with this team in some capacity after cut day barrett patterson i think the same thing i think he has a, has a good chance but i think he has less or, or he, his circumstances are are a little tougher just because you know they didn't give him that big signing bonus he was an undrafted free agent um i know they're trying him out uh at, at kick return just to see hey what else can you do um and i think to me obviously he had a really nice first game but if you're going to be that third or fourth running back on the roster you really got to contribute to special teams in some way i think Kick return might be a tough way or or something that he's not as experienced in, but Mm -hmm. when you're talking about a back that can, that can run the ball up the middle, that, that can, uh, that can catch the ball out of the backfield and do what he does. I think you'd like to have that guy on your roster in some capacity.
0: I think that's a good point about uh, Reyes that really a lot of us hadn't thought about is that when they saw him and the, and the amount of the signing bonus, they had to probably outbid some teams in order to, to get him. So they obviously like him and it wasn't just one of these things where, Hey, let's see what let's you got. This it. was, they saw something in him, right?
2: Yeah. Especially for someone My bad, Sam. i mean to cut you off, but especially oh, for go. someone who's never played the game of football. Yeah. They obviously had to see something.
1: Yeah. To me, it, it kind of goes back to when Pete Hayner earlier, this the tight ends coach was talking about Logan mm-hmm. Thomas earlier this year and, and him saying, Oh, I think Logan took another step. He can be a top seven, top five tight end in this league. When you look at the measurables, you know, the arm length, the size, the height, the weight, the, um, you know, the quickness, Samus Reyes checks all those boxes. So is he a two- to three-year project? Probably, if he's going to be a legitimate contributing tight end to this team. But at the same time, if you're thinking about a Super Bowl window for this team, if they can find that quarterback, that's probably around the same timeline. So I think that they feel comfortable investing in a guy and not saying, hey, we need you to be – a, a 30 catch guy, you know, a, a big part right, of our right. sub package right now.
2: All right. Okay. Nice. So track season has arrived, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> he made the move from safety to cornerback. Um, I got him and Torrey McTire seem to have been getting a lot of noise too in training camp at the cornerback spot. Is that a battle that is a real battle or, or is it just something that's just for entertainment? <laughs> yeah, I think, Tory McTire has
1: certainly stood out. I mean, that dude, um, I think coming into camp, I thought Dale Roberts might be that guy in the slot. He's a little more veteran right. guy. You know, he's got that flexibility. They, they signed him in that second Same. wave of free agency, mm-hmm. but he has not made as, no- made as much noise as Tory McTyre. And I think Tory McTyre, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be their you know, one of their top three quarters. I think that's pretty solidified, but could he be that fourth fifth guy could he be a pretty solid reserve if someone gets hurt yes i think Trapke, while he has made some notable plays that, you know he's he's had some really nice pass breakups which people like don't give him enough credit for i think he might be still a little too green at that cornerback position you know with some leverages with some things that we've seen on the field to to merit that that roster spot i think i think he's definitely on the bubble maybe on the outside right
0: now so when you talk about practice squad guys or guys who are maybe destined for the practice squad when they get cut in that first, the big wave, right before August 31st, um, are those guys now just complete free agents and anybody can sign them and not necessarily to the active roster, right? They can sign them to their own practice squad if everybody agrees to it. Right. So you, so you have the chance of losing some of these guys that you really want for your practice squad for future development.
1: Exactly, there. like, that's why I think, you know, my beat partner, Nikki Javala and I talk a lot about um, what this team is gonna look like after cut down day, or, you know, oh, who, who's gonna be here? Who's gonna do that? And I think it's a misnomer maybe after those initial cuts come out to say, okay, who made the 53? I don't think that that's a good reflection of the, of the roster because they're looking around. Okay. Who did the, who did so-and-so cut? Who did so-and-so cut? We like this guy. We played him in the preseason two years ago. Now he's available. Do we like him a little bit more than maybe our last corner or our last running back? So it wasn't, it wasn't the case last year because I think because of the COVID protocols, but normally teams turn over a lot between, you know, the bottom half of your roster will turn over a little bit. Um, because of who other teams cut, so yeah, it is. It's a total free. Uh, it, it's kind of like undrafted free agents after the draft. It's chaos, I mean, and everyone's I mean, on the phone. And people are trying to figure out like who's available, who's going here, um, and so that's what it'll be like after you know 4 p.m. on August 31st. And this team will obviously try to get better uh, in that facet as well.
2: So we got game number two coming up against the Cincinnati Bengals home game brand new field, brand new this, brand new that. Um, what can we expect in tomorrow's second preseason game since the normal preseason schedule is cut down a game to three? What can we look for as far as who's playing? And if, are there any position battles that are key that can become more clearer after tomorrow night's game?
1: Yeah, so I think with the reduction in preseason scheduling, I think you might see this be treated like that third preseason game used to be. Get the starters, you know, who knows, a couple series, maybe a little bit more than new England, let them get up to speed and then rest them in the third. I know Ron Rivera is a type of guy who is, does not like to rest his guys. So you're going to see, I think the starters out there for, for at least a, a couple series um, tomorrow night. And, and so I think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see a couple position battles, uh, particularly that last receiver spot and, and returner. Um, I think, you know, it, it used to be, in my opinion, the two-man battle between DeAndre Carter and Stephen Sims, but you've seen seventh-round pick Dax Milne really come yes. on strong um, here in the last couple of weeks. It's been impressive. He, he's got some, uh, you know, certainly some some reps with the ones. Uh, I think you're going to be looking for Jamin Davis to maybe make a little bit bigger of an impact than you saw against New England. And I think this, the safety battle um, – you know, how do they figure out those top three safeties and Bobby McCain, Landon Collins, and Cam Curl? How do they get them on the field? In what capacity? And and one more, I think the biggest uh, transition in terms of lineups is you're going to see Eric Flowers at left guard instead of Wes Schweitzer with the first team. So those are kind of the battles I'm looking for. And then if I can keep rambling and go one more subplot for you. Of course, bro. Go Hi. ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think um, William Jackson the third is going to, Take his couple series against his old team. And I think this is I'm, going to be personal
2: for him. I was thinking because that too. He's been taking subtle shots all week. He has been taking season. subtle
1: shots. <laughs> he said, you know, he made a joke about Washington's defensive front. Actually, you know, he said, he said, uh, oh, it's great. They're actually helping me for a change when he talked about <laughs> yeah. that. Front. And uh, mm-hmm. I went back and I looked, and, and if you look at the targets, uh, you know, his, his uh, metrics when he was targeted in Cincinnati and they only rushed three or four, he had mm. a much tougher time than when they were blitzing. Mm. So you can kind of see, okay, maybe you know, and, and I know they played man about 80% of the time. He said he's playing a lot more zone, playing a lot more different coverages here. So I think that William Jackson III is, is going to do his best to show out <laughs> tomorrow night.
0: Do you think...
2: He doesn't even care who's the quarterback.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, doesn't, yeah he doesn't care who it is. Uh, do you think there's been a little bit of noise, at least on, on our side, the fan side uh, of training camp about William Jackson and, and he doesn't seem to maybe be popping like you would expect the big free agent acquisition to be popping in camp. Is that, is that just noise from us fans and that we're just not seeing him every day, uh, either shutting guys down or, or playing really well in camp?
1: No, that's something that, that I've talked about, you know, even out there, you know, when I see Terry beat him or, or someone else, I say, you know, hey, you know, this isn't maybe the kind of the level of play that, that we expected, but I think there's there's two things there. I think that one, you know, sometimes Terry McLaurin is just really good. Uh and yeah. you saw that last year uh against Cincinnati. I mean William Jackson certainly gotten him a couple times as well. And there was one play I remember at the end of a a red zone period where for a lack of a better term, like Logan Thomas just lost him. And I was like, okay, like if you put him on a tight end, like that could happen. Um, So I think, I think it's not as bad, but I think the reason sometimes that people including myself will be like, Hey, what's going on is because that shift to zone has been, you know, I think a little bit tougher than, than maybe I expected. Cause he said, you know, this is a hundred percent different than what he was doing in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and, and we're talking about yeah. transitioning techniques that like he was telling us the other day about um, this, this technique in, in zone coverage called T-step, which is basically like when you come out of a, you know, your back backpedaling you're coming out of a break and trying to be patient. Like that's something he's doing in the grocery store. That's something he's doing at home. Like <laughs> yeah. his girlfriend was giving him a hard time about it. Like, yeah, when you, when you're doing something that different that you've been doing for six years, you know, even at Houston before that, like, it's gonna take a little bit of time. And so to me, the question is for someone who last year, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big nerd, so I, I like EPA expected points added, um, you know, some of the advanced stats, but if you look at the advanced stats and you look at the tape, like he was elite man corner last year. I know Terry got him for one, but he was, he was really impressive. So to me, the question is almost, how does Jack Del Rio push those buttons? When does he say, okay, we need you to just take away this, this side of the field uh, or, or when does he say, um, "Okay, we need to mix it up and play zone because that's what's going to help us here"? So, to me, I think William Jackson the Third. May you know some of it might be Terry being good. Some of it might be maybe he he wasn't at, at the point where people thought he was, and and some of it is you know they're just running a whole bunch of different stuff right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Trevor, you got another one?
2: Uh, you I do, out? but I, I'm good. I mean, we can keep going <laughs> Go as long as Go I'm ahead. good. All right, so I've, I've caught a lot of flack on Twitter here lately about my, J- my Jamin Davis take. Um, he didn't show me anything first preseason game. I know it's first preseason, but here, here's my opinion on that. He's a top 20 pick, and we're giving him a brand new role to play his first year in the NFL, and it's causing him to not trust his instincts and misread things and look kind of lost and kind of frantic on the field. Uh, do you think he's, it's something that he can quickly adjust to, or should we just stick to what he knows and put him back to what he was doing in college? Yeah, to me, this
0: is,
1: this is sort of, uh, I, like, let me, let me put it this way. I wasn't as concerned when you see some of those things that you saw against New England, because I was like, okay, you know, this is probably what they expected week one of the preseason, the first NFL action this guy's seen, um, just in his development, like, I guess the question here for, for your take is, is, how much do you trust Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio to have evaluated correctly and then be able to develop well and fix some of these mistakes they see on tape in a linebacker? And I think like skepticism is totally warranted, right? Because if you don't see, it, see him produce right away, then it's like, okay, well, you know, why isn't he there yet? But at the same time, it's, okay, like, if, they, if, if you're going to put this guy at Mike, and he did play you know, a a fair amount of Mike at, at Kentucky, um, or some some at least. Uh how much do you like how I'll figure out how to phrase this right? Like how much do you trust them to figure this guy out, to get him where he needs to be? And I think that like the reason that I am less dire about it or less urgent is because when you talk to people behind the scenes, it sounds like he is going about his business in the way that he needs to. And so, okay, you know, the play isn't there yet, but maybe it takes him half a year. Maybe it takes him, you know, most of the season to figure it out. And, and obviously, like, you had that luxury with Chase Young where, where, you know, even though he started a little slow, he was still impacting the game, even when he wasn't getting to the quarterback. Yeah. But, yeah. but what kind of leeway can you give this guy? Um, so I don't know if I really directly answered your question. <laughs> no, you're good. I, I just, talked around I it just... Enough Where like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like you got to. Uh, right.
2: Hey. You did good. I guess my, 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 beef is he's a top 20 pick. So I guess I'm expecting a little more because he's a top 20 pick. Right. Rather than someone we can develop that we go get later on in the draft. That's I guess that's my biggest beef. So.
1: Right. and I think him, them putting him at Mike is an investment in like, in the long term. like, okay, Jamin, like, you know, if you're not making all your calls super crisp, if you're not identifying, if you're not hitting holes in the way that we would expect you to um, like, we, we think that'll come because when we asked Ron Rivera, you know, and I remember we were at a charity event with him out in, out in Northern Virginia, you know, who is that Luke Kuechly type? Who's that versatile linebacker that you think can diagnose? And because I, you know, I thought from, from what he had talked about, that he might've been thinking it was Cole Holcomb, but he was like, Jamin, mm-hmm. Jamin Davis. That's the guy he's, he's going to be, I'm not saying he's Luke Keekley Cause that man is, you know, right. He's yeah. But I think that they think the potential is there and they're willing to give him this, this runway to figure
0: it out. Gotcha. All right. Last, last question. That's all, I so. have. that's all I have. Last question. <laughs> um, the offensive line, which they've got a lot of versatility there. They've got guys who play left side. They can play right side. They can play guard. They can play tackle, all of that. The only thing that concerns me, and again, this is probably just because I'm a fan and, and I don't know the insider (laughs) of it is you've got a lockdown uh, of sheriff at right guard and Ruye at center, but everybody else is kind of, some guys are playing at the ones and some with the twos and some are playing guard and tackling and On one hand, that's versatility. But on the other hand, the way I look at it is nobody's like taking that position and saying, this is my job. I am the Mm -hmm. left tackle and you're going to have to take it from me. And those guys, nobody has done that. And I don't know if that's a if that's a good thing or we should just be happy that there's a, a few guys who can play that position.
1: Yeah, to, to me, I do think they, they have a left tackle lockdown in Charles Leno. I, I think he is that guy. Is he that guy beyond this year? He's on a one-year deal? I don't know. I, th- I don't think they know. But to me, I think they, they, they have tackles locked down at left with Charles Leno and right with Sam Cosme. And, and I know that Sam Cosme is, is a guy who, you know, the part of the reason they made that Morgan Moses move in releasing him was because they went through OTAs and, and minicamp and they saw what Cosme could do, and they said, okay, he might be a little bit ahead of even where we thought he was. So I think those two positions are locked down. To me, the big question is, is left guard. I think that's the unresolved one uh, between Wes Schweitzer and Eric Flowers. I think that Eric Flowers, certainly when you get the start in week two, when you play with the ones, when when you do the the solid job that I think he did against New England, especially in run blocking, he was, he was impressive. Um, I, I think that that's the position where you, you want to see who's going to come out and dominate their reps uh, that they get, because they, they've, you know, shifted around Wes Schweitzer, Cornelius Lucas, David Sharp. I mean, all those yeah. guys, Sadiq Charles, like all of those guys have played different spots. And I think that's in anticipation of, of, you know, not necessarily that these guys are winning their jobs, uh, particularly in Sadiq Charles's case. I think they're throwing him everywhere because if you remember last year, I think it was during that Lions game that, that um, Cornelius Lucas got hurt and Morgan Moses had to go to left tackle because David Sharp was playing left tackle. And like, you know, when you're starting Morgan Moses at left tackle against Cincinnati, (laughs) like that's not the best combination for your line. Not because it, not because it reflects on Morgan Moses to play left tackle, but like asking your starting right tackle who's played that position for like five years to shift. Like that's not your best combination. Like, no. You need continuity on that. Like, I think coaches, I think metrics, I think everyone would tell you continuity is one of the most important things on O-line. On, so I think they're just cycling all these guys through just to get a better sense of, okay, Sadiq, if you need to play right guard or uh, Cornelius, like if you need to go to right tackle, like how is this going to feel? Um, so I think that left guard spot is a battle, but everything else I think is, is just experimentation and, and trying to make sure what happened last year does not happen again.
0: All right, Sam, well, we know you got to run. We appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us here on Ref the District. Again, that's uh, Sam Fortier, uh, Washington football team beat reporter at The Washington Post. You can find him on Twitter, at Sam, the number 4TR. Again, Sam, we really appreciate you joining us here on Ref the District. Yes. Of course.
1: Chris, Trevor, thanks so much for having me. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure we'll hit it soon. For sure.